Hello, Peter C. Hine here. What you're about to listen to, if you choose to, is the first in a series that we're going to run parallel to Vase, which will basically be some extra weird stuff. The things that don't quite fit in on the main podcast, but are definitely 100% Vase, just different. Maybe that's a segment that's too long for the main podcast, but not long enough for a full episode of its own. Or maybe that's a shorter interview, or maybe we just want to cover a topic that doesn't take a full hour and a half to talk about. So basically, yeah, we're not sure yet, but we'll know it when we see it. And when we do release it, we'll release it here like this. Oh, and we'll be calling these shorter episodes Side Vase. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, if you've got this far and you're still on board, then all you've got to do is keep on doing what you're doing and we'll do the rest. So, submitted for your approval, Side Vase, Episode 1, Numinous Melancholy. Enjoy. Okay, so I wanted to talk a bit about numinous melancholy. Uh, I've been a little bit nervous about this bit because it doesn't feel very weird, um, but perhaps I wanted to maybe extend my comfort zone a little, or at least to push the boundaries of what vase means to me and, and maybe to a few others as well. So what is numinous melancholy? What am I talking about here? Um, I thought about calling it actually melancholic numinosity, which probably describes what I'm talking about a bit better. Uh, but it just doesn't sound as good. Um, So literally speaking, melancholy is a feeling of pensive sadness, obviously. Uh, Often it has no obvious cause or reason. And numinosity is the spiritual power in the relationship between the individual and other people and things. It means something which arouses spiritual or religious emotion, something which is mysterious or or inspiring. And uh, old Carl Jung actually said that it was an experience that is inexpressible or mysterious, terrifying, directly experienced and pertaining only to the divinity. And this is what I'm getting at. It's a combination of these two things. So at the end of November, I posted a string of tweets on my personal Twitter. Uh, I didn't want to fill up the main vase Twitter with this sort of nonsense. Um, And basically the tweets are still there if you want to find them. Uh, I'm at Peter C. Hine, so it's there from the end of November. But basically what I was saying is that I feel this numinous melancholy at this time of year, almost like clockwork these days. Uh, But this concept is different to like SAD, you know, seasonal affective disorder or depression, both of which are really common at this time of year as well. So what I said about it was that it's actually a kind of pleasurable sadness, which seems to be connected to originally when I was younger and indoctrinated, the significance of the nativity. But now it seems more connected to the enormity of the unstoppable commercial machine that is Christmas. 
both and either of those things are so awesome in their scope and implication that next to them it's easy to feel tiny uh, and of questionable significance like staring into a starry sky on a clear night and realizing that you're looking at the closest thing humans can see to infinity but as above it's not a bad sadness i'm not sure it's actually sadness at all there's magic in it and the magic is captured perfectly in a song which is carol of the bells which is the the ukrainian christmas carol and that that is something which i'd fixated on is the connection between my feeling of numinous melancholy and that particular song which obviously i only hear at christmas usually and it's like a direct portal back into that feeling when i hear that song and so that led me to what i'm doing at the moment on my personal twitter which is to every day post a different version of that song as a sort of meditation on that song and in doing that a meditation into numinous melancholy um it's like like a sort of numinously melancholic advent calendar i'm going to keep on doing it till the 24th of december um and then i'm going to stop don't worry i will stop um so i find this feeling is connected more to music than you know other forms of art um yeah, there's Carol of the Bells, which is the granddaddy of, of this feeling. But there's other songs that make me feel it as well. You know, there's a song by the Smoke Fairies called Snow Globe Blizzard, and I'll link to all these in the show notes. Um, there's Heron Blue by Sunkill Moon. I imagine that these are different for everyone. Uh, these are just my examples. An interesting one is Famous Blue Raincoat by Leonard Cohen, which I've always counted as a Christmas song anyway, because it's clearly set in December. He says so. It's actually... I think the end of December that song so that's the period between Christmas and New Year and that's a feeling when numinous melancholy that's a time when the feeling of numinous melancholy can be strong Uh, but um, I find it more before Christmas because of that feeling you know the anticipation and the unification of people to this cause which is essentially the zenith of modern capitalism a time when we are sort of literally Uh, bewitched by the need to gather more than we need to spend money that we can't afford to spend to eat and drink until we feel uncomfortable and ill Uh, i'm not a um a christian apologist by any stretch and i'm not trying to say that we've lost the true meaning of christmas because what does that actually mean you know what is it about the christian nativity that's true almost nothing from what historians are able to discern yeah i'm not an expert but i'm pretty sure that if jesus was a real person he wasn't born on december 25th you know 2022 years ago um he he, he probably wasn't born in a stable surrounded by shepherds and and wise men you know the true meaning of christmas as, as far as i'm concerned and as far as i can tell you and i say this with no authority um i say this is almost a way to justify my feelings on the matter which is a backwards way to think about it um, but the, the meaning of Christmas to me is to feel this numinous melancholy, uh, to sit with it and to meditate on it and to accept it. But listen, th- this is going to be different for people all over the world uh, because to me this means connecting with what the people who lived in this part of the world have always lived with and felt all those years ago you before central heating and uh, running water and electric lights and modern insulation. Um, this, this time of year was dangerous. It was savage and, and brutal, but, but it is beautiful. Um, and it's in nature it's nature in in all its majestic magical power it turns the water hard it peels the skin off your face and hands it kills a lot of what grows in the ground it makes other animals hide for months underground the only way that people could survive these times back then was to respect it to respect this uh, to find their place in nature to find their place in this magic and to sit with it and to face it and to find what they had inside themselves and to push back I know that I'm romanticizing this, 
Um, I know I am. I, I, it must have been really hard and people would die and starve. And obviously I'm painting quite a sort of noble picture of it all. Um, but, you know, when you look out and you see the landscape in shades of white and blue, it's awesome. And, and you can feel in that the spirit of the place that you're living in shining through bright and fierce. Um, and I think that this is what prompted people all those years ago to gather in midwinter and to celebrate for days on end, you know, was, was, it, it, it was this numinous melancholy, this feeling that I'm talking about here. It's what Yule was, it's what Saturnalia was, all these different festivals of light that happened in midwinter. It was to push back against this. It was to bring people together in the community and it was to stand against this beast that the land had become, uh, even if it was just for one more day. I don't think that numinous melancholy is a bad thing. I just think that it feels alien to us because so many of us now have the power to remove ourselves from the cruelness of the outside of the world. You know, this impulse to push back, which was what, you know, Yule and Saturnalia and all those things were, um, you know, is now stretched out for a full two months. You know, this, this season which is where we're now, you know, Mariah Carey being played in supermarkets from the 1st of November, tinsel and Christmas trees out for longer than a month before actual Christmas Day. And I'm not saying bar humbug here, if, if that's your thing, to celebrate Christmas for months or for all year round, then, then do your thing. But do it with self-awareness, know what you're participating in. It has no substance other than what you give it. But like it or not, you're participating in a huge and far-reaching religious ceremony um, and you just have to look at this religion that's pervasive in our life now. It's not the most pervasive religion, it isn't Christianity anymore. It's mass market consumerism. It's worshipping stuff. It's, it's feeling the rapture of spending and the ecstasy of indulgent satiation um, and the salvation that comes with a gift receipt and a two-year warranty. Um, and I'm absolutely part of this. You know, I, I feel like a hypocrite for even talking about it because that's me this year. I'm in my overdraft. I'm maxed out on my credit card. I've got a pile of useless overpriced shit in the corner of my study here. But I think that it is important that I talk about it because to talk about it is the first step of recognizing it uh, for what it is um, and recognizing it in myself. Um, and when I feel this, what I know firsthand what religious guilt feels like. And this is essentially what I'm feeling. I'm, I'm feeling it again, feeling this guilt. And that's what this numinous melancholy is. It's some form of capitalist guilt, I suppose. And it's fascinating that I can get to it in this way, you know, because that's almost like going to it backwards. Um, because I'm no longer looking out and seeing a cruel landscape in front of me, which is ready to kill me and which can only be overcome by strength of my own soul. But instead, I'm looking out into a landscape of man-made traps and mind control designed to make me want, through fear, some kind of you know, fear of inadequacy, I suppose. If I don't hit some kind of imagined target and, you know, buy certain things for certain people at certain times that have to be of a certain standard. And the further I pursue this, the more I feel that this is a weakness in my soul, like a hole in my soul, that all this shit just isn't filling. And this is why I think it's okay to recognize the numinous melancholy for what it is and realize that it could be the very first step towards some sort of healing and some sort of reconnection for me with the land and with nature and, and even with myself. What I'm saying is that neither thing is good. Okay, so... so not the over-romanticized idea of dying in a cold snap and, and not the idea of 
just dying inside because I'm buying Christmas presents. The aim is to connect with what I'm feeling. Uh, and what I'm feeling, I have to try to recognize that and to make peace with that and to use it to better myself if, if I can do. And that brings me on to what I am feeling. You know, this numinous melancholy, as I've already said, it's not depression. It's, it's, yeah, I know that depression is very common at this time of year because people are told culturally that it's not okay to feel whatever you're feeling at this time of year. It's not okay to feel bad. You're a downer if you do that at this time of year. Uh, but that's what people forget, is that life doesn't actually stop at this time of year. You, you don't stop feeling the darker, more difficult emotions at this time of year. There are people feeling grief. There are people feeling lost, feeling unhappy and unloved at this time of year. And that's okay. It's not a downer. It's exactly right that people should feel whatever they want to at this time of year. And I think it's really, really fucking disgusting that people would have it any other way. Because if you're feeling happy and grateful at this time of year, you shouldn't be hoarding that feeling. And ring-fencing it from people who might kill your buzz, you should be spreading that, you know, you should be caring for the people who aren't feeling it. And if you're not feeling it and you're struggling to deal with it, that's okay too. If you need help, that's okay. You shouldn't be ashamed of those feelings. It's the right thing to do to reach out. And seriously, if you're not okay, and I really hope that no one listening to this now is feeling this way, but if you are feeling okay, not okay at this time of year, that's normal. And if you're in the UK, there are support for people who are feeling these things. Um, you can call the Samaritans. That's 116123. It's free. There's a bit of a wait time if you call them. But people will talk to you about anything you want to. And if you're struggling with mental health, you can call SaneLine, which is 0300 304 700. And God forbid of it, but if you need it, uh, the suicide prevention line is 0800 689 5652. And I will link to all these and more in the show notes. And if I'm killing your Christmas buzz with all this that I'm talking about, then for fuck's sake, just turn off now because I'm not about to turn away from it. And the rest of what I'm about to say probably isn't for you. So what am I feeling with this numinous melancholy? Um, I'm going to be honest, and I'm feeling that we could possibly lose a few listeners when I talk about this. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, I'd be glad to see those people go because this is something that I purposefully haven't talked much about on base uh, because I didn't know whether it was the right thing to do or I perhaps felt that, you know, uh, it wasn't a very base thing to talk about. Uh, but that feeds into what I was saying earlier about feeling hypocritical because uh, I'm aware that I have, you know, a corporate job and that I have a house and that even though I'm broke right now, that I'm comfortable in general. Um, and I'm very grateful for all that. Um, but why has this numinous melancholy felt so strong this year? And it's because things just aren't right. You, you just have to look outside. Um, I know this is going to be very UK-centric, but there will be direct analogues for just about any Western country that you're listening from now and probably many others all over the world. Because we're in a country right now being held hostage by a quasi-aristocratic class who are hell-bent on enriching themselves at any cost to the rest of us. So this has been the case for years and years, but these past six years, I've felt it the worst. That they, they've... they've work tirelessly to bend the rules and rig the system so that the country works for them and not the other way around which is the purpose of what the government should be the government should work in service to the country and not the other way around and you don't have to look far to see the society literally falling to pieces around us inflation is at a 40 year high and this is worse than it has been in mine or your lifetimes uh, people can't afford essential things and I'm not just talking about luxuries I'm talking about essential things like basic food people are going hungry uh, 2.1 million food parcels were supplied between April 2021 and March 2022 and then a further 1.3 between April this year and September this year and these parcels are being delivered to people in these countries who can't fucking feed themselves 
And Rishi Sunak, who I forget is Prime Minister sometimes because he's our third one this year, which is a clear sign that the system isn't working. Um, the, the first one this year was a proven liar who in the end just couldn't keep track of what lie he told. And the second one was so incompetent that she only lasted 44 days during which she had the public and, and barely concealed mental breakdown. And with cavalier and ashamed um, stupidity, she wiped £300 billion pounds off the UK economy. I remember what I said about people not being able to afford to put food in their mouths. Th these are things that are happening in this country right now, you know, this year. Uh, this isn't some sort of cautionary trail. This, th we are living this right now. Uh, Rishi Sunak and his wife, who's an heiress, are worth around £730 million. Pounds. That's twice as much as the king. But this is largely inherited money, and this is neoliberalism in action. You know, this guy is so rich that obviously he should know what he's doing and so he can be the leader. No, he only knows how to stockpile resources. He's taking them away from the people who need them. This isn't leading, this is a form of social terrorism. And if this is starting to sound Dickensian, that's because it is, especially at this time of year. But that £730 million pounds is a lot of square meals that could be going to a lot of people, a lot of heating bills that could be paid. The heating itself, the cost of heating your house has tripled since April this year. But instead, what's happening? MPs have been told that they can put the cost of their Christmas parties on expenses, so they are paid for by the taxpayer, by the people who are being persecuted and exploited by them on a daily basis. So we are actually paying for them to celebrate Christmas at a time when people are, are fucking starving. This is, the, this is the government that told councils to direct people to food bank, actually telling people to go to charities to feed them, rather than trying to sort out the problem themselves. Uh, these people, a lot of them are millionaires. Most of them, I think, in fact, who are in government at the moment. This, that's, that's more money than most people could spend in a lifetime. You know, there are kids living in the city that I'm living in who are actually starving right now. It's so cold outside. It was minus 10 this morning where I am. There are people freezing to death because they can't afford to both eat and to heat their houses. This isn't right. This isn't fair because the money that should be being put towards resolving these problems is being paid as backhanders to MPs, to mates for PPE contracts. And, and don't forget that when you see Matt Hancock exploiting the media to rehabilitate his image, that he killed over 150,000 people over the last couple of years, in a large part due to his own greed and spinelessness. And people know this, you know, but after COVID and now runaway inflation and the steady creep of poverty, people are punched drunk. They're trying to forget the past the nightmarish years. And most of all, people are afraid. They're really afraid. And that's what's keeping this group of con men and con women and con people in power. At the moment, you can see this in action when they raise the spectre of Corbynism. They, they invoke the 1970s, the brownouts, the miners' strikes. They want to keep people afraid of change. They want to use that fear to keep people down, to keep people in their place, to keep people grateful for any scraps that they throw us from their table. This is actual dark magic. You know, they are forcing their will upon us. They are making their reality ours. This is mind control. And that, in a nutshell, is what conservatism is. Since we started this podcast, the population of the planet has passed 8 billion people. And that is a lot of people. Uh, but this is an amazing planet, and forget what the bullshit that the antinatalists say. There isn't enough resources to feed, clothe, and provide for every single person on the planet right now. What we're seeing the world over isn't a matter of a lack of resources, it's a matter of distribution of resources, the hoarding of resources, and, and greed, basically. The way that land is being used has to change. The way that people are allowed to accumulate wealth, which has no practical purpose, has to be changed. There should be no such thing as a billionaire. Being a billionaire makes you an enemy of equality. 
you know, these people aren't necessarily evil, and clearly some of them are, but they're not necessarily evil. But what they're doing is evil. Uh, I used to think that these problems could be fixed through some sort of like high-minded action, you know, by fighting them on their own terms with their ideology, a good sense and logic. But it doesn't work like that because in the UK at the moment we have, you know, look at it, we've got strikes across the board, including nurses, paramedics, the postal service, the trains, and notice that those last two have been privatised under Conservative governments. But the nurses and the paramedics, these are people who need to be paid more, and the government and the media are treating the strikes as if they're some sort of, you know evil action in themselves you know this is an act of desperation it's, it's a plea for decency isn't it you know and and it gets treated as if it's something evil and as bad as things have got through this mixture of the fear that i've mentioned and the manipulation and um that they're using things like the changes of boundaries for constituencies and they're clinging on to the first past the post system so that they can rig it with countless other machinations and backhanders so that it's going to be very very difficult to ever have any sort of meaningful change and, and that doesn't even go into talking about whether Labour can make an effective change at the moment as they are right now so I think that instead it's important to us that we just come together as a community as, as people who know that something is wrong right now and not be beleaguered but be defiant we can make a difference and thrive you know when they're doing their best to break us when they're being self-serving and greedy we need to be selfless and generous in the treatment of people that we are in a position to help you know wh whether that's one person or a hundred when they show his cruelty and callousness and unconcealed contempt we must show each other kindness and warmth and love and if you eat till it hurts at any point over Christmas, just just pack up the stuff that you you haven't opened yet and send it to a food bank. You know, if you come out of this Christmas on top financially, uh, I, don't know, I don't think that's going to happen to any of us really. But then give what you can to a local charity. You know, I know this sounds like righteous idealism on my part. But I think that this is the most effective way that we can start something. You know, something like a change. You know, some current um, that, that will carry us to something better. And the unravelling of that dark magic that I was talking about earlier that they're using to suppress us and to suppress this kind of thinking. But most of all, what I'm thinking is that with this being base, and for those of you who are listening through this ranting, I think there is something else that we can do. And so what I want to do is to ask everyone who's listening right now, who's willing to, to grab themselves a pen and paper. Okay, and people can pause this if they need to. Yeah, we'll be waiting when you get back. And just write on the piece of paper, in, in capital letters, the following words. We have the government we need to make the changes we need for the good of all. I'll say that again. We have the government we need to make the changes we need for the good of all. Now, I've tossed around the ethics of doing this. I don't usually encourage magic that will directly affect other people, but I think it's okay to make an exception here because we're dealing with darker forces of greed and evil. And if we can nudge the probability towards something better, uh, then it's for the good of all, then I think we're entitled to do that. Um, and surely, even if you're right of centre at the moment, you can see that this country is failing, and not just failing economically, but failing itself and its people, and we need change. And as Crowley himself said, uh, yeah, I know that Crowley was a complex character, um, and we shouldn't do everything that he says. But he said that magic is the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. So with that intention that we've just written down, take out the vowels and the repeating letters and turn it into a symbol, as we've talked about before, as Mark Vincent talked about in the last episode. And then charge your sigil however you'd like to do it. 
Um, we've talked about various ways to do this. I use hyperventilation. Uh, that's the Wim Hof method, but don't do that if you've never experimented with hyperventilation before. Um, you know, make sure that what you're doing is safe. Uh, sometimes just the act of making the sigil, if you make it beautiful, if you make it look beautiful, you spend some time on crafting it, uh, spend ages coloring it in or putting it on special paper or carving it into a candle or even just rendering it in computer graphics or something, that's enough, you know, just let it get into your subconscious. And then when you've done that, when you've charged the sigil, destroy it. Uh, if you've done it on paper, then I recommend taking it outside and burning it. Um, I'm going to do this on the winter solstice with this very intention. Um, I know that that's the day that we're actually planning to release this, so it might be too late for some people. But just do it whenever it feels right. Um, you know, if it's around this time of year, if it's around Christmas, embrace that numinous melancholy and use it. And remember what it's there for and reflect on it and why this change is needed. Um, and then walk away and just forget that you ever did it. And even if you don't believe in this stuff, even if you think this sounds silly, trust me, this is a cathartic process. It's something that will put these thoughts into your mind, something that will solidify these ideas inside you. Um, so just give it a go, and if nothing happens, then nothing's lost, and it's just a couple of minutes of your time. But if you think that we can make a difference at all, if you think that we can make something happen, then let's come together and make a difference. And that's it, really. That's numinous melancholy covered. Um... So this is exciting, isn't it? We've never tried to overthrow a government before, have we? Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. Right, that's it. That's all I've got. <laughs> Spent. <laughs>